This week on episode 496 of Priority One, we trek out the Roddenberry Foundation's latest gift and CBS Viacom's latest revampination. Then we continue our coverage of Star Trek Online's 11th anniversary with a reminder to finish your daily mission to earn the free ship and an interview with Star Trek Discovery's Mary Chifo. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 496 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, February 9th, 2021, and available for download or streaming on Friday, February 12th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. I'm Tony. And in our live stream booth is our live stream technician extraordinaire, Brandon. Live stream Brandon. Hey, guys. LST. <laughs> well, welcome back. We are so very thrilled that you all enjoyed last week's episode featuring uh, Al Captain Gecko Rivera. We've got another big one coming up. Tony, Kat. This week, we want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you all stay in touch. Given that we're a podcast built by a community of Star Trek fans, it's important that we also hear your opinion. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite app and you'll find us, or email us. You can reach us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Like Kat said, this is a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers that dedicate their time and talents each and every week, from audio editors to writers to us, the hosts. We come together each week because we're passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And like any passion project, it's hard to keep things running at no cost. So, if you find value in this production and you want to help us continue to grow, check us out at our Patreon page. That's right, Captains. We offer tiered rewards for our patrons from anywhere between a dollar and up. And at $10, you can have access to our secondary podcast that we lovingly title After Hours, an unscripted, unedited conversation about the latest in Star Trek news, science fiction, or reviews. Like right now, we're wrapping up Star Trek The Animated Series with panelists that include Roscoe, a professional broadcaster from Australia, and Dr. Robert Hurt. In addition to that, we also offer early access to interviews. So, for example, last week, we interviewed our Vera on Saturday, and by Monday, our patrons already had access to that interview. So, if you have the financial means, visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. But we understand that financial contributions might be a little tricky right now, which is why our door is always open to other passionate Trekkies who might be interested in joining our team. From audio or video editors to artists to hosting, that's right, the hunt is on for a new voice to join our team. So if you got a lot to say about Star Trek, we encourage you to visit our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and click on the Join the Team link at the top. There you'll find a description of available positions that you can contribute to. And if you're a member of the BIPOC and or LGBTQ community, 
community, we hope that you'll seriously consider applying. Ojalá eres otro latino que le encanta Star Trek. Vamos a hablar de Star Trek juntos. It's important that we make every effort to represent all corners of the Star Trek community. So, remember, that site is PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jump places. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Captains, if you missed the Roddenberry Showdown 2020 virtual extravaganza featuring Martok and Galron, well then just just get get out. Get it. no no, just play in. You now have another chance to watch one of the best pandemic performances you'll ever see. The Roddenberries have released the event to rent or purchase via Vimeo for $4.99 to rent or $15 to buy. Now we can spend time talking up the event and performance, but you really need to see this for yourself. More importantly, you'll be supporting local artists who are continuing to work to make ends meet during a time when live performances and concerts are nearly impossible. So check out the links in the show notes and please consider supporting the band. You will not be disappointed. Seriously, you will not be disappointed. Look, I am 100% aware of what it's like to be on the receiving end and also to be pushing something that sounds amateur, right? Like a community theater production or whatever. Like a foundry I, mission. Whole or foundry mission. Yes, that's a good call. <laughs> Look, I totally get it. Totally get it. You're gonna, you go into the, oh, this is gonna be terrible. This is gonna be, oh, it's gonna be like a little hand cam on somebody. No, 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 no. The Roddenberries pulled out all the stops for this. On top of that, they've got J.G. Hertzler and Robert O'Reilly reprising their role in parody versions of Gowron and, and Martok facing off in a virtual showdown. I'm telling you guys, watch this because it is hilarious. It, the production value is so amazing, especially for something that was recorded during the pandemic. I mean, seriously, you're not going to be disappointed. Even if you rent it for five bucks, it's going to go to support the artist and you're going to have a good time watching it. Full disclosure, this is the one you're in, right? This is the one I'm in, yes. I'm All only right. in it for like 30 seconds, though. It's not long. I don't. That's why I don't like... I 30 don't want, seconds? Wanna, it's half a song. It's not I really... Thought, the, oh, oh, I thought you sang a full song. Yeah, I thought yeah, you it's not the full song. song. It's not the full uh, song. No, no, we only did the first okay. the first verse to the first chorus. Uh, but yes, I am in it with my COVID hair, and it's long as hell, in leather pants. <laughs> there. There's your five bucks. You should have led with that. There's, there's your five bucks. Elio in leather pants. Sold. Women's leather pants, mind you, because I couldn't find a pair of men's pants. Um, now yeah, you pay have, the fifteen. Now they it's have a cost better fit. Yeah, they probably cost more than the men's version. Probably. <laughs> so look, trek it out. It is absolutely worth the cost of admission, and on top of that, you're supporting a band who is slated to be at Vegas this year as the house band. So look, these guys are great. Click that link. There's a trailer there. The tra if the trailer doesn't pull you in, I mean, you just gotta watch this, guys. You gotta watch. It's the best thing you'll see all year. The Roddenberry Foundation announced a $100,000 donation to the Comic-Con Museum in San Diego. In recognition of that generosity, the museum will name its main lobby after the late, great Star Trek creator, Gene Roddenberry. I know what you're thinking. Hey, conventions aren't dead. So why are they getting put into a museum? Rest easy friends because the museum isn't commemorating a lost ritual but it is quote intended to celebrate the spirit of the san diego comic-con experience throughout the year end quote but for now they'll just have to celebrate reaching the halfway mark on their way to the 34 million dollar fundraising goal gene's son rod told kpbs.com quote we hope to inspire others to recognize the power of popular arts and comics in providing a unifying force to bring together our society and create a better better future, end quote. So, I mean, you know, the pandemic is hurting stuff, but they're they're trying
trying to make conventions go all year long now. So, I mean, it, the museums have been shut down along with theaters, like we were talking about earlier with the Roddenberry. So, hopefully, they'll get their fundraising goal met in time to open this up after everything else is open, too. Well, and San Diego is now kind of like the place to go, right, for sci fi stuff. It's like a brand for this kind of stuff. Why wouldn't they have a museum there? Hopefully, I think it's far away from downtown. So, if you can't get a ticket to Comic Con, you can just go to the Comic Con Museum. <laughs> Maybe they'll simulcast yeah, over right. there. Probably. They'll probably have some TVs. Stuff like this is really important, guys. I mean, I am certain that a majority of you are consuming a heck of a lot of content. More content than you would have prior to the pandemic, right? We're on lockdown still. We're not technically supposed to be going to work. So a lot of binging is happening, right? Netflix, whatever. A lot of museums are suffering. A lot of theater is suffering. And I just saw a headline about Dolly Parton supporting uh, a theater fund to help theaters survive this pandemic. I mean, theaters are not open, and yet we've got a Super Bowl, right? Priorities are, are a little skewed right now. So don't forget that when you're watching things like Netflix, when you're watching Star Trek on CBS All Access, or wherever you watch it, it doesn't happen magically, you know? And it costs money to put people in a 14-day bubble and all these things. So um, if you can, find ways to support the art. Well, you know, in addition to theaters, you know, music venues, I mean, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of places where you would have normally gone to be entertained that are not able to be open right now. So any way you can support those places is fantastic. And while we're on the topic of the Super Bowl, you might have uh, been watching it this weekend, even if it was just for the commercials. And you may have noticed frequent references to Paramount Plus, especially when those ads were airing what seemed like more times than the Chiefs were called for stupid penalties. Well, Viacom CBS is making a concerted effort to position CBS as an upscale content provider, all of which hinges on its offerings coming from its CBS Originals production company. Funny, because the guy in charge came from Amazon Originals. And providing options for live, on demand, or streaming its content. Newly appointed network president and chief marketing officer Mike Benson says, quote, I feel like we're really working to elevate the brand and make a broadcast brand feel premium. It's free premium, end quote. Well, all of these efforts may pay off as we get closer to the launch of Paramount Plus on March 4th. The stock price for Viacom CBS has certainly rebounded since we last discussed, closing Monday at $54.50 a share compared to the $11.28 price from last March. Nevertheless, investors remain concerned that the transition to Paramount Plus will be a struggle for Viacom CBS considering the competition in the marketplace, lower profit margins for streaming services, plus increased demand for content licensing, which includes renewing the NFL license. And if they want to stream it now, they're going to have to renegotiate all the terms. But they have to have it because there's not a lot differentiating them from, you know, even second tier content streamers. Well, that's the whole point. Like, CBS has been a network. They've never, like, made their stamp on their products like, you know, say Netflix right. did or any of the other. Yeah. Like, that was in that article, too, that Mike Benson was saying, you know, they do um, 60 Minutes and Survivor and no one knows that that's the CBS 
CBS property. Because why would you? It's just on TV. Yeah. It's it's TV, right, exactly. Right. Star Trek, yes, it's Star Trek. I mean, it's been on NBC before. It was on PBS back in the 80s. I remember watching it on the local PBS affiliate. It, 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 then it was in syndication, so whatever syndication station you had locally. Star Trek's never been, quote, owned by anything before. It's just been Star Trek. So, yeah. And, yeah, you know, it, I, I suspect CBS is going to struggle with their rebranding. I mean, oh, they're yeah. trying. It's not re, it's just branding in yeah. the first place. Yeah. Their, their choices of putting Spock next to Beavis and Butthead and Snooki. And there <laughs> yeah. it is. There it is right there, Tony. Right? We I, talked about I, last week. This quote from Mike Benson. I feel like we're really working to elevate the brand and make a broadcast brand feel premium. And yet, their promotional materials have combined reality TV, reality TV 30 year old cartoons 30 all these things that it just did it doesn't feel premium <laughs> it feels gimmicky it felt gimmicky i feel it causes brand confusion i feel like anybody who hasn't jumped on to watch any of like for instance star trek right this is that's our topic is going to look at this commercial and go spot dancing what but if you decide that you want to subscribe to paramount plus you can currently save 50 percent on a one-year subscription this drops the no commercial option from 100 dollars down to 50. you can also save on the commercial plan but let's be real who really wants commercials no one in order to take advantage of it you'll need to sign up via cbs all access and you'll need to do it no later than march 3rd the discount code is paramount plus with plus all spelled out no symbols now if you aren't already aware we've got affiliate links on our website which help support this production so if you plan to take advantage of the discount and sign up please use our affiliate code links to more information on how you can save fifty dollars will be in our show notes and that leads us to our first community question this week if you are currently subscribed to CBS All Access and sticking around for Paramount Plus, what features do you hope that they'll introduce? Let us know your response in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, that wraps up all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. By the time you're hearing this, the 11th anniversary and Klingon recruitment events will already be halfway over. Fortunately, you only have to create your recruits before the 25th. You can then complete the objectives at your leisure later on. Just make sure you get through the tutorial. Once you get that little Klingon Tesseract receiver communication device, you're good to go. Also referred to as the Klingon encrypted receiver. But if you haven't started accruing progress for the Tamer yet, things are decidedly more desperate. With 14 days left, you'll need at least a partial Zen buyout to complete it in time. The Tamir's full buyout price during the event is 6,000 Zen. The second chance buyout will probably be the same price. We recommend as much progress as possible before hitting the bank just to take some of the sting out. That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now we welcome Star Trek Discovery's Mary Chifo to discuss her return as Laurel in Star Trek Online. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Joining us for this episode of Priority One to discuss her reprisal of Star Trek Discovery's mother of Klingons, Laurel, 
is the incomparable Mary Chifo. Mary, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of Priority One. Thank you so much for having me, or as we'd say in Klingon, Katlo. Ah, yes. <laughs> There's a lot to discuss. You just lent your talents and voice to Star Trek Online to help them celebrate their 11th anniversary. Been doing the rounds with other interviews. You jumped on 10 Forward with Mike and, and Al to talk about it, but you know we want to dive even deeper and discuss it even further. So, so let's jump in. All right, so let's talk about revisiting the character of Lorel. It's been about two years since we saw her on the screen. Did you find that she's still fresh in your mind? Was it easy to get back into character for her to come and record the parts for Stowe? I feel very lucky that because this franchise is just so expansive that Lorel is forever a part of my life, whether it be conventions or obviously in, in the case of this past year, not doing conventions, but um, cameos and just being present online. There's just, I'm always kind of in touch with her essence and, you know, I see great fan art. So uh, it's a, a little different, I think, from dusting off a character that I may have done years ago and hadn't really thought about much. I still am very much with Laurel constantly in, in certain ways. But still, obviously, jumping back in and saying actual text that had been written for to her to say in this world and, and with just being able to be in circumstances that were very Klingon again, uh, that were, you know, epic in scale and uh, vulnerable and emotional and uh, all that good stuff. So I really found it was a very exciting and thrilling dive back in, but her her spirit is very much inside me always. <laughs> now, when you were working on preparing for this voiceover work with Star Trek Online, we got a little bit of that backstory in 10 Forward with Al and Mike, uh, but how involved were you in the storytelling? You know, when Al pitched it to you, was he also looking for feedback from you? Did you offer some sort of perspective about the character? Plot-wise, I, I, I left it in, in their hands. I mean, he, uh, Al gave me such a great pitch that I really didn't go, well, what if we did this? It was just so exciting and interesting and very in line with what uh, they do on Star Trek Online, which is, yeah, continue to expand and just the, the crossovers of characters that you would never think you'd get to see together. I just, I love that. So I was pretty taken by by what he described to me. Um, certainly, they were very open when I did get those lines that I had to, to read. Um, Al and I did meet closer to the date of actually recording where he gave me the kind of full synopsis because it had been, yeah, a year and a half at least since he had told me about it in person. I really, I was just jazzed and he did say, are there any lines? Like if there's anything that feels a little bit, no, she wouldn't say it that way or what's that context? But in looking through, there really wasn't anything that felt incorrect or just out of character. Yeah, I mentioned on on 10 Forward how, I mean, we we talked a bit about the Vogue plot and, and what they expanded on there and to me that all felt in line with the Laurel that I had developed and come to love and if anything they unearthed a lot of more uh, nuanced uh, character uh, aspects that maybe we didn't get to explore as much um, on Discovery because there's a million other characters and everyone's got stuff to do and uh, with TV you know it's it's the what's happening next what are the plot points that are happening so we don't get to really like sit back on our laurels and, and talk about how all the characters are feeling in any given given moment. So uh, it was nice to have a little bit more time to explore that. And um, yeah, but I I mean, I'm I'm sure if I uh, had felt differently, they would have been lovely and receptive uh, to my feedback. But I was just very fortunate that they created something I was just like, yeah, great. This sounds awesome. Let's go to Grethor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that that brings up a good point. You know, you mentioned Grethor. Are these concepts, are these story plots 
that you had already researched in your preparation for Laurel? Like, you know, there are some actors that kind of go into it blindly and they read what's on the page and they honor what the script writer has done, right? And others dive into that universe. So was this new to you? Was this a, an adventure for you as well? It uh, it was not uh, fully new. No, I, I definitely, when I first got the part, uh, I didn't have any script to refer to. I, bar- I barely even knew my character's name or what she was going to do. Um, so in order to placate my nerves, I, I just started watching all the Klingon-centric episodes. And by the time uh, we started filming, I had pretty much completed that, thanks to the uh, comprehensive wiki uh, wikia page <laughs> with, with all the Klingon-centric episodes. I just like was crossing them off. So yes, and, and thanks to uh, TNG and Deep Space Nine in particular, you get a lot of that great lore, uh, particularly from Ron Moore. And I loved it. I loved how there's such a spirituality to them. And yeah, that there is Grethor and Stovacor. And obviously there's um, remnants or, or it's derived so much from a lot of medieval knighthood and um, just a lot of different cultures that infuse kind of obviously honor and spirituality and kind of a reverence for their warriors that it's not just uh, bloodthirsty gallivanting uh, scallywags. But there's some of that though. There's some gallivanting. <laughs> there's some gallivanting for sure. There is some of that. That's what I find so interesting and and uh, fun about exploring the Klingons is there are definitely many who do uh, exhibit that and certainly the ones that we get to know yes during that time period in TNG and Deep Space Nine because it is as I like to say the post-praxis explosion you do see uh, the Klingons uh, in a position politically where they are having to be a little bit more uh, <laughs> uh, diplomatic with, with the Federation and Tony, I see a thought. <laughs> yeah, because the practice explosion kind of brings to mind a, a question, you know, there's a lot of just not not just Klingon characters, but good female Klingon characters that come and in Star Trek VI, uh, Chancellor uh, Ezetber, Yeah, you know, she she was you know, sorry, you're not the first on-screen Chancellor, female Chancellor, you're, you're the set you're, you're following in her footsteps, yes. but there's a bunch of other ones too, Bolana Taurus, True. The the Dura sisters who we were talking about just before we went live here. Kalar. Mm-hmm. Kalar, right. Worf's uh, friend, good friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you pull anything from them? Did you did you watch them for cues or did you take anything and go, oh, I can I can use that? Absolutely. I really did. I um yeah, I, I definitely wanted to look at any and all Klingons that existed ever in canon. Uh, but of course, yes, was very drawn to seeing how the women were portrayed, what their position was in society. I do often reference Grilka, from, uh, who has two appearances in Deep Space Nine and particularly the first episode where she appears with Quark and all the 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 hilarity that ensues there um but also the the seriousness of the fact that she can't succeed her husband's house uh, because she's a woman. I was like, oh, okay, so these women are very strong, very powerful, uh, certainly from a human perspective, but they still are tied to their society in a slight, you know, they they do veer more towards a patriarchal society. It's not exactly like we've seen in human history, but there's a way of that they've organized their society to make it function that keeps the women in a certain position. But at the same time, we do see other examples, and obviously Lorel is an example of that as well, of uh, in-command positions uh, before that she becomes chancellor, she's still in a position uh, usually occupied by a male and even in, in Klingon society. So that was fun to play with. We obviously didn't overly lean on that 
when she was a commander, other than the fact that she doesn't see herself as someone who is a leader, that she works from the shadows and all of that. So it just kind of, everything kind of was interwoven. It wasn't like I was sitting with the writers and being like, by the way, this thing, but it just kind of <laughs> all came together because of the um, the Klingons that had come before. But that juxtaposition also really resonated with me as Mary Chifo, because I'm, I'm six feet tall, I'm very broad shoulders, I have big energy, and my whole life people have been like, whoa, like, hi, like, you're very... <laughs> There's a lot of you here, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yes, I saw this is a big person. And, you know, people will say, oh, you're tall, because that isn't seen as a negative thing, which I don't feel it's a negative thing, but I also know that it's not just, there are plenty of tall people, but my, the energy I, I bring with it, and even when I was a younger kid, I was still, I was ahead above most of the kids my age, but it was just the, yeah, the, the gravitas <laughs> uh, that I might have brought, um, or a certain type of maturity or whatever. But at the same time, I am a very, very vulnerable, insecure, uh, nervous little girl, also very shy. I push through it often. But um, I loved that Laurel could kind of embody that in a Klingon world. That she's like, no, 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 you go ahead. I, uh, you know, what? What is the the those personality tests with the letters? You yeah, know, like the, uh, the, the Myers Briggs my... <laughs> Myers Briggs test. Yeah. So I can't remember my letters, but I remember that the title of my letters is the campaigner. Uh, I've taken it a few times, and I always get campaigner, which is literally what Laurel describes herself as. But I think that's very true. I'm someone I I I love people. I love seeing potential and bringing it out and and celebrating others and my journey has been to then let myself go to the forefront and shine. We have I have a bit of a tradition with every time we interview a Star Trek actor and usually we save it to the end but you're just jumping right to the, the spot here so I'm going to go ahead and ask it. <laughs> All the way back to Denise Crosby and this is the question that I, I, I asked them. Actors they bring themselves to the character you know people write stuff on the page but you bring a piece of yourself to it and then when you're done with the role as we've been talking about you do you take a piece of, of that character with you. So, so what parts of Laurel is actually Mary Chifo, and and what did Mary Chifo take from Laurel when you when you took off the makeup? Yeah, yeah, I, you're absolutely right because I was I was going right there, <laughs> and so everything I just said. I, it, yeah, you were just you were walking right up to it. I hardly even had to ask. It was great. And it is true. I think you know, like you said, every actor has a different sensibility, and some like to just have that separation and you know show up on set or on stage and get put it all out there and then walk away. I, for better or for worse, can't do that. <laughs> Like, I just, it's not in my nature. I think, you know, I, I say I'm an actor, but I'm also a storyteller. I'm thinking about the larger story. Um, so with Laurel, particularly in the first season, um, that journey of, yeah, her coming out of the shadows was paralleled to my journey even in that time, in that year, because I had recently graduated from college and uh, had gotten this incredible opportunity to uh, exercise my training. And I was terrified and wanted to just, you know, keep showing up and doing good work and hope that they would, you know, keep creating a story. And, you know, in that first season, um, it was really amazing. I, I wasn't guaranteed any episodes and they created an incredible arc for this character, uh, found ways to get her on that ship when they went to the mirror universe. I mean, <laughs> there was a lot. So I was extremely humbled uh, that um, I was able to uh, have such an arc then. And then looking back at the first two seasons, uh, Laurel was wasn't 
as much in the second, but when she was there, she was given an even fuller arc and then being able to, at the end, really come in and cavalry coming in, uh, get to, to really come in and, and, and save the day and really own her power. So I felt that very much in the first season because it was, it was like, you know, there were a lot of episodes dealing with that. But overall, I think that's the largest arc is that it is a journey of someone owning their power who's in a society that maybe doesn't... Um, give her the space to understand the depth of what she can bring. Um, but luckily she has enough interactions with uh, differently minded people, aka Cornwell, or, you know, she gets different perspectives that allows her to see that there's more to uh, the story than she has been led to believe. So um, that to me is journey-wise something I, I very much reflect on and, and still reflect on uh, looking back as I continue to try and grow as an artist and and, um, you know, decide what 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 are the spaces I want to fill? Who are the people I want to work with? Um, and making sure those spaces are filled uh, with creators and collaborators who uh, have similar similar goals as to why why we're telling the stories that we are. Um, and then also, like I said too, just. Um, <laughs> being heartbroken that sounds so sad um but the uh, definitely um unrequited love is a theme that i enjoy living in join the club join the club no 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 you're doing research you're doing research for the next part you know that's yeah different yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, that's what's so fascinating about Laurel in the first season because like her scenes with Vogue I love when they go to the Shenzo and that scene with them is so powerful and you just feel the electricity that's happening between them. And then for her, when they go back to the ship and you just see on Laurel's face, like the moment when they get back and see that it's a trap, you just, you know, the, the bite of the meat. That is just so powerful and amazing because you see your mind working and you're like, I got to turn this around. And it speaks to the intelligence of Laurel. She's just like, we got to get out of this situation. Here's how. It's it's amazing. I love I loved season one. I love the Klingon. I love the whole Mokai story and the, the whole family saga of the Mokai. It's fascinating. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I, I can't tell you how thrilled I am uh, for you to describe those moments as you did because they really that's how it unfolded because as I said uh, I that episode was obviously my first big episode um, and the groundwork was laid with the yeah with the the sexy dilithium process oh my god and, it was um, a man was like woo <laughs> dang and um hey, we, and, we didn't say we got to engineering talk here we got to raise the rating yeah, yeah. of the thing well, now seriously yeah, <laughs> um, what happens in the dilithium processing chamber um, but, but also the whole um, build up to that where Laurel convinces Vogue that, hey, you should probably, you know, go get this thing because we're going to die otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey bub. Um, but yeah, I, I really do. I appreciate that so much because that really was my experience because we were kind of discovering it real time. And Jazad and I, you know, uh, bless him, he would we would meet and uh, run over the scenes in English and then clean on, cling on and go back and um we're both, you know, just like very soft, sweet people that can do very intense things. But like, we both love like 
friends the TV show and like we were very goofy people. So we really were like, let's le lean into the rom-com of this. Like, let's just see what happens if that happens. And um, and Ola Tunde, our director, kept encouraging us in that direction. Uh, but we hadn't been given a mandate. Uh, and I did want to speak to that moment you mentioned with the with the chi uh, the cradleg, um, particularly because that was the day we had filmed that first scene, the convincing uh, to uh, get get Voke over there. And Tunde asked me to be a little more flirty in that scene. And I just gotten uh, my lady Klingon hands that were much more uh, malleable than the ones I'd had in the first two episodes. And so I was like getting a little bit more touchy feely. And uh, so we were like, oh, I guess, mom, I guess we're heading this trip. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then we did that second scene. And I did have that revelation in that moment of, oh, I think I love him and I think I'm doing this for those reasons and I'm really like the heartbreak that I saw in Vogue and being like no 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 it's cool I'll be back you know I I remember really feeling that and then uh, when I when I came home uh, to the hotel that night, uh, I did I like took a hot shower, get out of you know, all my prosthetic, blech, and I just started crying because I it, like it all hit me that that was the journey of this character, and we had not yet filmed the dilithium processor scene or the um, return uh, to the Shenzhou scene, so those were the last two scenes that we filmed in that episode, and so I was so grateful that that was the order because we found those two scenes, and once we found those, we were like, this is this is the direction we're going. And um, we did the return scene first, uh, where I come back and, you know, grabs me and all that. Um, and then the very last scene we filmed for that episode was like, it was the last day of that episode. And I remember with the crew who does not speak Klingon, uh, I don't think there might be a Klingon speaker in there. <laughs> yeah. Some secret people going, oh, spoiler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoops. <laughs> but I remember everyone was like, you know, it, it is something that the words are great, but it's all about what's happening in between the lines. And I felt that. I felt that presence of everyone being on board with what was happening between these characters. And it was very bittersweet because we all all knew that that was Shazad's last day in the prosthetics. We were like, oh yeah. And then, I mean, if he was kind of, you know, happy about certain <laughs> elements of that. Yeah, I'm sure he was pleased. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But even so, you know, the the sweetness that we found, I'm just really grateful. It, it's, um, it wouldn't have happened with any actor. It takes someone like Shazad, who's who is a feminist, who is sensitive, who is kind, uh, to be like, oh. And I think too, there's something about being masked that actually allowed us to be more vulnerable because we were so clearly not ourselves. Right. We were just like, these Laurel invoke. Mm -hmm. Clearly you're playing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that really helped us a lot. You know, Mary, there's something I, I don't want to overlook. And it was as you were talking about your craft and getting into Star Trek just out of college, your humility. There are many actors like me, for instance. I studied my undergraduate is in performing arts, but for one reason or another, I didn't have the opportunity to go off and audition and pursue the career, right? Those student loans suck. But what is refreshing are actors like you that show that appreciation, that know and realize that the craft is about storytelling and that th the love you have for it, the appreciation that you show while still being humble about it is just amazing. It is amazing. And I really appreciate that of you. Uh, every time we've had the opportunity of talking, you show that same level of compassion and love for the craft and humility that it just speaks volume of you, really. So I just want I don't, I don't want that to be overlooked. 
Well, thank you. It means a lot to hear that. And, and um, like I said, I can't help it. It's just, it's how I have to exist. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that, yes, for all the opportunities I have to speak to it as well. Because, you know, so thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to get too mushy there for a second. I just, I, it, it just, I needed to. I like to, the mushy. I, we're not wearing any prosthetics here, Elio. Yeah. We can't no. be that vulnerable with that Klingon mask. No, no. Go get your Klingon mask yeah. and try oh, it yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, we'll put your hair on. Put yeah. on your, put yeah. on your ridges. Yeah. Then, then do it. No, then I do it. I love it. Oh, he does have it. Look at that. <laughs> that's a true Klingon. If, if ridges at arm's length. <laughs> ridges at arm's length. That's true. That's yeah. true. Every Klingon must have their ridges at arm's length. <laughs> it is. Chancellor L says so. Just to expand upon that a little bit, I, it is. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot. I mean, obviously, this whole past year has been a time of reflection, uh, to say the least, for all of us. And I just am so grateful that I am able to appreciate um, the opportunities, but also do everything I can to pay it forward. I, I don't know if that's quite the right term, but just like if I can take the opportunities I have and allow it to create space for more people and to meet more people and to build relationships. Like I said, with collaborators who who I'm like, oh, we, we, we're on the same wavelength or a similar one. And, you know, or we've got a good Venn diagram of abilities that can help create great art because I just think we need art more than ever now and art that um, allows us to reflect on ourselves to, to to both confront and comfort you know I think any given day sometimes I just need comfort and sometimes I need confrontation but if it's the right mixture I'm really thrilled like I, I, I like being challenged but also being comforted and saying you know but we'll get there we'll get there so it, it really is uh, just a gift to be able to be able to do that. Back to talking about Laurel sorry to switch subject here but um so when you were on the cryptic uh stream you brought up hot sip put did you do any other like research are you i mean did you study any of that um historical like powerful women or you were just doing research into your character i am a very <laughs> very strong-willed uh feminist overall so i tend to lean towards the those types of stories for sure i actually was very much into art history in high school i was very lucky again my, my high school had a, a semester-long art history class that was required and I took it over the summer because uh, it was offered and I was like oh I'll just knock that out and I took it and I was like I'm in love and I ended up taking the AP class like I was able to it was before my junior year and usually you take the AP in your senior year for art history because it's but I got them to rearrange my whole schedule and I figured out a way and then I ended up creating an independent study with that teacher Miss Schrag Miss Allison Schrag wonderful wonderful art history teacher she listens to the show no I'm kidding <laughs> it would be it would be a great a great <laughs> twist of fate if uh, if you're there Allison uh, that was interesting too after after I graduated high school there was a point uh, where we you know got coffee a few times and she's like you can call me Allison now and I was like can I <laughs> <laughs> those are the best teachers right those I, those, are the there best are, teachers. A handful. yeah they are they really are <laughs> there's a handful of people that I, that I did that with it's just they're just they're just fantastic yeah you know, it's, it's yeah. really really special to meet those people yeah the other exception my my high school drama teacher Mr. Adele who I do still call Adele because he called us all by our last names so it kind of was an equalizer that like I was Chifo and he was Adele and like so it's like it's kind of it's like our our special theater kid code which mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure us us theater types and our our fun little shenanigans but art history my yeah my my independent 
independent study I created in my senior year was Women, Art, and Power was the, was the overall name. And I wrote four separate essays um, pertaining to different aspects of women in, in history and the art they were uh, able to create or not. Um, and so uh, one of one of those essays was actually in relation to the, the whole um, Hepchetsit, Queen Elizabeth of it all. Uh, it was women in, I compared a woman and a man from three different time periods who were either, and just kind of studied their oeuvre to see, like it was Rembrandt and, and I can't even remember the name of the woman I compared, but it was just like- the op- Is this illustrative of the problem? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there you go, all right, there you go. I was, I was very much inspired by why an essay that I believe is uh, kind of continuously updated, but it's like, why are there no women geniuses, I believe is the name of the actual essay. And part of it was that, first of all, our, our just allowance of that. And in the Rembrandt one- this There has was- to be a receptive field for that work, right? There has to be people willing to say, oh yes, that's work and that's good work. And this is the person that did it. And now we remember that person. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. The talent's only half of it. The other half is having the audience. And yeah, this woman with Rembrandt, I picked Rembrandt because we, we know he portrait after portrait after portrait is like all as through his life and all this. And this one woman had like, like a little thimble where she had been able to make her a little art or maybe, oh no, I think that was actually a different period. Now, now I'm just going off on a tangent. But there was also a woman who, you know, had these really great pieces, but then she ended up in her early 20s. She was married and focused on that. And like, again, it's like there's respect for all of all choices for women, for me, certainly. Uh, but it's a very interesting examination of what where we allow the world of genius. And one of my favorite female painters, Artemina Genaleschi, who is a contemporary of Caravaggio's. That was another comparison I made. She's a little bit more well-known. She has that really great Judas slaying hall of furnace that's really intense. We're like, she's there cutting off his throat. It's great. It's great. Uh, <laughs> it's very... So that's a recommend. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. everyone go yeah. Google that. It's, yeah. it's very... Very chief of recommends. Yeah, it's very Klingon, I would say. I think Laurel's probably a fan of Artemisia. I got that impression. Yeah, yeah. It's, hanging, um, it's hanging over her bed. All that being said, uh, I got I got so excited. I, I forget how much I, I love all that art, art history stuff, but basically anytime I hear a story like that, again, the, the these these female rulers that we don't even know about whose uh, images were literally destroyed or figuratively just somewhat you know erased memory hold you yeah so i've always been fascinated by that idea and i would say that specifically in the second season for laurel i did really think a lot about queen elizabeth the first and her journey which has always been such an interesting one to me of course i love the kate blanchett movies and like and of course her appearance in shakespeare in love which is another one of my faves and i actually i'm a part of this wonderful um group called Bespoke uh, Plays, where I did a reading with them uh, in the before times. And uh, it's an awesome group of, of writers, uh, TV writers and theater writers and a bunch of kooky actors. And we do readings, uh, private readings, just workshopping stuff on Sundays. And uh, we were workshopping <laughs> someone's play where the ghost of Queen Elizabeth I haunted someone and uh, I was cast. And uh, it, we're a very goofy, fun, creative group. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it and I just found a way to get my hair in buns to look like the Queen Elizabeth hair and I put some white powder on my face and like I just did the I had a little like top that kind of looked you know and I found some like I think it was like a pirate costume to get the fluffy like I just you know and it was so fun get the big ruffle collar yeah I just but I don't want to be a pirate yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I'm going to be Queen Elizabeth 
but inhabiting it was fun inhabiting that character even for this 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 fun little zoom reading uh because it reminded me of how i uh felt when i was in laurel and certainly again the the speeches and and the mother's speech in particular you know it has that it has that cadence um of so many queen elizabeth moments that we love and i i love the ferocity of those archetypes that are also there's a certain containment that they have to have as rulers um so i just uh i just love living in in queen-like characters i i the more i think about it it's an archetype that i'm just like i just feel at home <laughs> when i'm <laughs> when i'm living in that so that's a lot of different answers to your very simple question. <laughs> That's the best kind of interview. We ask a question and you give us lots of stuff. We don't have to pull it out of you. It's just there. It's just, you just Berkeley. You hand it to us. <laughs> now in Star Trek Online, we've seen Laurel. She's come up to the same timeline as uh, other characters, you know, Klingons like Worf, Picard. Um, in your own head canon, what would that first meeting be like with some of those types of characters? How would Laurel talk to Worf? That's such a... I love <laughs> I haven't thought much about her first question would be who are you I'm the queen I don't know who you are but what why why are you why are you so sad why <laughs> <laughs> you need a hug <laughs> you need to take a chill pill. Um, so, um, I mean, Worf is. So they you know, have Prozac yeah, for Klingons yeah, in the 24th century. You need to work out your relationships. Are you know we gotta work some stuff out. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I mean, because Worf is, you know, he's he's iconic. We know him. He obviously has graced so many different uh, iterations of of the franchise. You can stop there. I mean, that's perfect. Enough. That's just you're just done. Yeah, we're just, just drop that mic and walk away. Like, just, you're just. <laughs> Done. <laughs> See, Laurel, Laurel would have known. She would have said it and left. Mary's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but outside of Worf, I mean, I did love the... Um what we even get in the game a bit of getting um, Gowron and, and, and Martok who are, you know, obviously were uh, sources of inspiration for me as well because I got to see their journeys as, as chancellors and, and particularly Martok. There's actually a lot of fun parallels with their journey of, you know, ascending into greatness and having a scar. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do love, like I said with Star Trek Online, that you get that aspect of, of getting to see characters that you wouldn't necessarily see otherwise together. I presume that when you did the voiceover work for it you know obviously you weren't doing it with jg hertzler and, Ro and robert o'reilly mm -hmm. but have you had the opportunity of like hanging out with these guys and you know shooting the klingon <laughs> the klingon gah the klingon gah <laughs> I don't know. I don't... <laughs> That works. That's well, you know. Or, it or does indeed. It yeah. works perfect. Uh, yes. No, I'm, I'm very lucky that I've had some wonderful interactions with them. I uh, The first uh, SCLV that I went to before the show had even aired, and we did a panel, and I got to stay for the the rest of all five days. I, I asked if it was okay since I wasn't working, and they were like, sure. And I was in that middle ground of, like, people had seen the panel, so they, like, knew who I was, but I could still kind of move around, and everyone was like, oh, the last time you're going to be walking the halls like this and I was like great cool but I kind of some people 
people I ran into and some I um, found. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, particularly Bob, I ran into. And I remember we took a selfie with the eyes. Uh, <laughs> nice. That I remember, I remember posting. And what's funny is Bob, he looks like he could be one of my dad's siblings. My dad's the youngest of eight Irish-Italian from uh, Long Island. And he looks like a Chifo. And so there's like an extra layer of like love there. I'm just like, oh, you just fit. You'd fit right in. That was a great interaction. And then I think I'm trying to, I can't remember the first time I met JG, but I do remember that I think it was the next Vegas. I uh, crashed their panel <laughs> that where, where they're in full makeup uh, because uh, I was I was leaving one of the other event I was doing and uh, someone was like, hey, the Klingons are on stage. You want to you crash their panel? And I was like, okay. And uh, I came in and, and uh, luckily because Bob knew me, he was like, I think JG was like, who's this crazy person? <laughs> and then Bob was like, no, it's the, the, the Lorel and all that stuff. And um, so that was really fun. And then, yeah, we've been, I know. Uh, and then Bob actually c- crashed. Uh, Ken and I had a panel in Germany and Dortmund and he crashed ours in full makeup. So it's just a bunch of Klingon crashing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they're they're so lovely and and um, they're just you know they've kept maintained these characters in such a great way and you hear that in the in the game they're just they're they sound like you know it was it was uh, Deep Space Nine yesterday and I just love that JG in particular just brings you right back to the TV show yeah I mean you hear his voice and you're, you're like, there oh you know, yeah just, really really did, have you heard about uh, the band the Roddenberries yes and that they did a virtual concert with. JG and uh, Bob O'Reilly. It's one of the best virtual events you can watch all year. So I, you know, I'll send you the link. It is amazing. They they blew it out of the park. Blew it out of the park. And then Robert O'Reilly reads. Um, oh, what's the, what's that poem? Alice in Wonderland. Uh, oh. The Jabberwocky. Yes. Oh. Yeah. He reads the Jabberwocky. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is, amazing. It's it's good just for it's great just for that scene. It's great just to hear him. It watch him in Klingon makeup recite Jabberwocky. It's great. Oh, I love that for sure. I I think about you know these conversations that you must have with these you know older actors and that have done their roles in Star Trek and have since moved on. I like I sometimes I wonder do do they tell you you know the younger actors run run go the other way <laughs> or do they give you or do they give you like some sound advice like you know what you know there's going to be a lot of makeup make sure make sure to moisturize like that kind of stuff <laughs> 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 I mean, That's just good advice for everyone, Elio. I mean, everyone should do that. Moisturize. I, you heard it now. I definitely recommend anyone listening. Moisturize. It's great. Um, it's definitely, I mean, I've been very lucky, again, with my interactions. They've all been positive. It is a great group. And I think at a certain point, the people who, these actors who continue to do the conventions, they do, you know, they love it. And so I'm getting to meet people who, who enjoy the energy of, of being with everyone. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, I will, I will, uh, since we were talking about Worf, my Dorn story is that I had met him briefly in that first Vegas, I think, again, before the show had even aired, you know, backstage somewhere. And we had a friendly interaction. And I remember even at the time, he was kind of like, yeah, that makeup's a lot more intense than what I had. <laughs> it's like, it's a lot. Uh, that was generally, but he was very, very lovely. And then I'm vegan and I don't overly post about it, but people are generally aware of it. And at one point someone was like, oh, you know, Michael Dorn's vegan. And I was like, really? So then actually this Dortmund, same same convention, or maybe that was Birmingham. I, I remember it was an international flight uh, that we were both on. We're in the little lounge or whatever. And I see him and I, I'm like, oh, is he going to remember me and all this stuff? I was like, ah, you know, I'm the I'm the Klingon, the Rel, and I'm the, and I'm vegan. <laughs> like, and he was like, great. <laughs> like, good for you. 
Um, no, he was he was very very lovely. But what was funny and and worked in my favor was that he had just recently seen the time lapse of me getting into makeup. Oh. Somehow I don't know exactly. Someone had tagged him or somehow, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I know, I saw that. That's intense. Like my God." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, it's a lot." So we were able to, you know, hang out then. And then obviously we're on the same flight and we kind of, that was our full bonding moment. And then knowing that we were both vegan, when we went on the cruise two, three years ago now, the 2019 cruise, we kind of, you know, banded together with that because you kind of were like, hey, did this place have good options for you? And like that sort of stuff. Uh, did, you ex- did you exchange recipes with our Vera? Absolute vegan. And he's a chef. He's a, he's like a, you know, he, he's a chemist. That man knows how to. I didn't really. He'll send you a link for some amazing recipes. Amazing. He's got a website. He has his own website about vegan. You're about to take your friendship with him to a whole nother level. Oh my gosh. Well, I should have realized because we do definitely share and like a lot of little cute animal videos on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I should have. But yeah, I did not realize that outright. I will definitely let him know. Yeah, I've been obviously. This is hilarious to me because (laughs) the stereotype, of course, is as soon as someone's a vegan, they have to tell everybody about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you guys are all like, we're all secret vegans yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. We're all, yeah. Who would have thought? We're all yeah. too nervous to bring it up because of the reputation. We're like, <laughs> you're too worried about pissing somebody yeah, off. Yeah, I know. I feel like this is the first time I've ever brought it up in an interview, even. So, you, thanks. We guys. do that to Breaking. people. Yes. Your guard gets yes. lowered. Yeah. You start having a good time. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it happens to everybody. It's okay. It's great. It's great. But I have been, obviously, I've been cooking a lot more or, you know, creating. I keep joking with my setup. I'm in the guest house of, actually, my childhood home my parents are in the main house and it was a garage and we turned it into a living space and it's fun pandemic-y yeah, yeah right. very pandemic nice um, all pandemic but I have basically I have like a microwave set up and then I have been able to create so many fantastic meals just with like my chopping black and my microwave so I'll definitely try and up my game when I get Al's recipe <laughs> yes yes yeah he will, he will steer you towards some interesting stuff next level I do like hanging out with Al for that reason because I no I'm not vegan but i don't i also am not i'm not like eh, don't you know i will eat virtually anything so if it's tasty i i will ex- i'm i'm good. i will explore no, no, that's, that's and me. so anytime i hang out with al or we go somewhere i'm like all right come on man show me show me show me tell me tell me more and it's some tasty i, I love eating vegan stuff it's there's not, some there's know. some great stuff out there yeah. for and sure. he's a great chef so yeah yeah share some share oh some i love that Oh man, Love well, I live in Austin, Texas, so there's a ton of vegan restaurants here. So, uh, yeah, if you ever come here, there's some I can highly recommend. Oh, wonderful. I hope I hope I do get to visit. So, you know, people forget that in entertainment, you know, they consume especially now and that this industry is built by dozens if not hundreds of people on, you know, not just in front of the camera but behind the camera. So, how can the audience, the viewers, the consumers support actors that are currently struggling, that are currently trying to find their way through the pandemic and praying to God that the vaccine will, you know, get into their shoulders immediately. Uh, well, What are you doing these days, yeah, Mary? Yeah. <laughs> well, in fact, uh, it is true. I, I am currently producing on Twitch a entirely improvised medical dramedy, just the usual. Um, but I am, yeah, I've, I've been lucky to collaborate with this awesome um, uh, all-female collective uh, Ripley Improv, named after Ripley from Aliens. So That's we know my we dog's like name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> awesome. It's a good name. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I met them actually because of Star Trek. Aliza Pearl, who's a member of the group, um, is an awesome uh, 
uh, a Trekkie herself and does a lot. She's currently GM for Blood of the Void RPG, uh, Go Klingon, nice. but has done a lot of, she was uh, Shield of Tomorrow and uh, had actually interviewed me and Sonequa uh, at one point for fangirling. And uh, we just really hit it off. And she was like, well, I'm a part of this group and we do Improvised Generation, which is in the style of TNG. And I went to see it, one of their shows and uh, Glam, which was in the style of Glow that Ripley was doing at the time, was right after. So I saw TIG and I saw Glam and they're all just wonderful, awesome actors and performers. And uh, I, I just fell in love and started hanging out with them. Uh, and this was, I guess, 2018. I think it was 2018. So it was in the midst of all the all the trek. And uh, now uh, <laughs> now I'm co-producing uh, one of their one of their genres, which is this medical drama inspired hour long show that we um, we use green screens and backgrounds that, you know, we try and complement like, you know, hallway A angle, hallway B angle, uh, different patient rooms, surgery rooms. Everyone's got their proper gear. We're yes anding all of it. We're what we say is we don't with genre long form improv. We're not outright making fun of the genre. We are we are celebrating it by improvising it, uh, which I think is a very interesting at, like corner of the improv world, which is that we're really still trying to go for the depth of the story and discover discover the real humanity between the characters and and in our case definitely the chemistry and uh, the sexy shenanigans they get into as well with with a lot of great humor sprinkled in. Um, but yeah, I've had, actually we had our um, as of this recording tonight, uh, last night we had our um, reopening. We had an eight-week run last fall, which was a wild time to be doing anything, but we did it, and um, we're back for another uh, eight weeks. It's it's a really, I think it's a great way to yeah be with be with the community because we engage the chat and they make suggestions throughout the show, and I I hosted in my own <laughs> marriage chief way. Basically, it's just a small sampling of everything you've just heard. And we have a fun talk back afterwards, the downbeat, where we hang out with our actors for a bit and are, you know, maybe going to have some other people who are watching the show come on and, and chat about it. And it's it's just a really, really, um really fun endeavor. Uh, and Jessica Lynn Verdi, who is, it was her seed three or so years ago, and she really felt that it was time to do it in this, in this strange landscape that we're currently in. She's like, this is how we're going to make this medical dramedy work uh, with improv. And so it's been really fun uh, to collaborate with her and, and support that so that's that's definitely one way you can support you can tune into that are they um are they taking any donations like for actors equity or is it you know ticketed in any way it is it is not ticketed but it is with twitch and i still don't fully understand there you can subscribe to the ripley improv channel which then supports uh ripley improv on a monthly basis uh it's 4.99 um a month that's a great way to support give a little nudge there um if you're watching the show there are different kind of incentives that uh, we have, uh, we do have options to donate, and it is again, it's a all-female collective, and um, they have a lot, a few other shows, content. Uh, they're in kind of developing phase of a, a lot of different ways. They're trying to, you know, we're all trying to yes and the medium and what we're able to do. And Heartbeats is definitely the biggest production level. Like we're focusing a lot of the production level on that. So in complement to that, we had there was um, a really great brunch uh, Sunday brunch where it was for for women. 
women and they're just they find out what they did last night that's the suggestion is what did these women do last night and then during the brunch they just <laughs> kind of uncover it together or whatnot which is very fun and Maddie Goff who's another member she has uh, a lot of great characters and uh, she has positive mom and her son Trenton and she um, uh, <laughs> she gets on a zoom call with him and then we have guests who you know like I think tomorrow actually uh, she, he's going on a blind date with one of our Heartbeats cast members, uh, Galici. Um, You know, it's it's just very fun. It's a, it's just a really stellar group of, of humans who who want to bring some joy right now. So that's yeah, that really has been my main my main focus when it comes to output that we're seeing. I am also just you know taking time to work on various personal projects that I hope will see the light of day at some point and building those seeds. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm just trying to in answer to your question overall outside of the things that I'm involved with I think there are people there um, and theater companies that are doing uh, zoom readings that are you know there are donations for very whether it be yeah for actors equity or just supporting arts in in any way um, it's just kind of looking I think like even just I would suggest googling you know what what shows are happening because there's actually a lot of content out there that, that people are trying to but great yeah I just think you know we're at a where everybody's consuming right now and I think it's we seldom a lot of people forget that as we are stuck at home watching there are people you know working to produce these shows and I guess and my, I guess my understanding is that with film they're doing that bubble they're doing that 14 day bubble but you know my friends that do work in theater on Broadway yeah yeah they're you know they're struggling you know it's it's on top of that what's frustrating is that theater you know I was I forget what article I was reading is that you know theater United States exports theater it's one of their greatest exports and here we are you know Broadway's still shut down and you know it's so it's painful it's painful to see the last thing I had heard was that um, like the law and orders and SVUs that film here in this area in the tri-state area in New Jersey have been looking and putting out calls for people who work in theater who were generally just focused on theater to come on and that they were gonna hire them so I just want to, you know, focus on that and remind everybody that there is there's a person behind the makeup. You know, there's a person behind uh, the camera that, you know, that needs to work. You know, it's a it's a it is an industry. We call it the industry, but it, it is it is literally an industry. And I know that we yeah, we witnessed that certainly in hubs like New York and, and L.A. where it's just it just expands outward. You know, everyone is affected um, employment wise, whether it be. Yeah, I mean, it just across the board. And that's another you know value that I know that I'm grateful to have learned from my parents and just, you know, whatever it is, is just, it's about respect for all, all aspects of the creative process and who's in front and behind the camera. And I've become such a huge proponent of making sure that our crew and our behind the scenes, not that I've, not that anyone's listening to me right now, but having more inclusive, it's not just inclusive casting, it's in inclusive crew, it's inclusive writer staff, it's inclusive uh, EPs, it's inclusive head of networks like we need to keep building towards that because those that's what we just need we need to keep expanding and that's exciting because we're getting there and I know that's another thing I'm so proud of Ripley for doing is that they they are too ex expanding their inclusivity in a way that it, you know it's not forced because there's a wealth of talent out there 
<laughs> you know, it's 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 just it's something that can be done so so easily and to the benefit of all and gives us different perspectives on on storytelling. So I'm just yeah, I, I agree. That's I went a little bit off of the keeping people employed, but I do think it's it's important to emphasize that uh, the more we look outward, the more we're all gonna lift each other up, and it's just gonna make for a lot lot more exciting art. Well, we'll be sure to have links in our show notes to uh, Ripley's, and that way people can subscribe at the very least uh, and catch all your stuff and all your projects. Or we let you go. So before we let you go, we were wondering if we can have a little bit of fun. A little bit of fun. We're more fun than we've already had. More fun than we've already had. We are next leveling this. So go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. You have a very distinctive voice as Laurel. I mean, it's it's recognizable. And you, you put some work into developing it and, mm-hmm. and it and you kinda you own it, right? You own this thing. So we were wondering if you might indulge us in a couple of uh, have you seen have you seen screen junkies? Yeah. On YouTube. The guy that does the movie trailers the, and he, he does he does the reviews and stuff. Yeah. At the end he reads at the end he reads lines in his movie trailer voice to like, you know, like and they're just sort of like we were wondering if you might indulge us in a in a couple of sci fi readings from alternate franchises. Oh, I absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so, so the first one we'd like you to try is from a Star Trek adjacent property, uh, Galaxy Quest. If you could give us the line, "Never give up, never <clears throat> surrender." Never give up, never surrender. Yeah, see, nailed it. Yes. That's excellent. All right. Okay. Awesome. All right. Now, yes. gonna go a little yes. further afield on this one. A little further afield. We uh, from the from the uh, from the sci-fi epic, uh, The Fifth Element. We need super green. Super green. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We got we got we got a page full of these. We can stop though. All right. No, we won't. We won't go through all. We won't go all. All right. All right. Rapid fire. Uh, Favorite show tune. Favorite show tune is "Being Alive." That was a terrible rendition of it, though. Oh god. We can fix that in post. We'll auto tune it. No problem. I should do it. I should do it as Laurel. No, 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 no. Being alive. <laughs> she would definitely it would be very operatic version anyway continue this it is would, not rapid fire i'm just totally yes. delaying the inevitable please go ahead no no no, no. that's okay <laughs> that's okay all right if you could if if there was one song that you'd like translated into klingon what would it be killer queen by queen oh there you go killer queen <gasps> oh amazing that's actually doable that's actually very doable i think that works so Next it word? does. It already kind of starts yeah. with it. Yeah. No, that's doable. Oh my god, that is kind of Klingon opera esque to it. Yeah. If we ever get back to Vegas, the Dura sisters will probably do Killer Queen. <laughs> yeah, I will say also. I mean, it, that's probably the smarter one too because now I'm like, oh wait, no, Bohemian Rhapsody. But we don't need to be here for 15 hours. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Killer Queen is. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're talking to a group <laughs> of theater, like you know, Ali and Ali's a teacher, a high school yeah. teacher. Uh, <laughs> At vocational school, music theater, or, you know, we graduated from music. We will do Bohemian Rhapsody and Klingon. It'll happen. Like, it'll do, it, you know. I mean, I think it's certainly, there's a lot of Klingon elements to that one as well. Anything Queen. I think Queen is good in Klingon. I think, I think. And the original Klingon. They wear capes. <laughs> the original Klingon. Well, Mary, thank you so very much for spending this time with us to talk not just about Laurel and your involvement in Star Trek, but just about being an actor, being a crafts person in this in this industry and sharing all these amazing stories with us. So thank you so very, very much. Thank you so much for having me. It was just a, such a such a delight. You all are wonderful, wonderful human beings. I'm very grateful. Can we put that as yes. a blurb? We're a yes. delight. I really guess that's that's that's, yes. Yes, that's, that's the highest compliment. <laughs> Chancellor Laurel says you are delight. <laughs> yes. What the delight. Chancellor Laurel. Yeah, that's right. That's it. <laughs> 
Well, that wraps up episode 495 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And we got to welcome back SFC, who returned as a patron earlier this month. So welcome back, SFC. Oh, welcome back. Welcome back. And here's a reminder of our community question this week. If you're currently subscribed to CBS All Access and sticking around for Paramount Plus, what features do you hope that they'll introduce? Now, Captains, it's important that we get your voice heard and that you participate in this conversation. So be sure to reply to our community question by leaving us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com or be on the lookout on our social media pages like Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. There, we post those community questions. If you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winter Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. So just follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Now, Captains, during these difficult times, we understand that a financial contribution may be difficult, but we are humbled by the continued support of our existing patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week. So, if you have the means, please consider becoming a patron at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. A very special thanks to our guest this week, the incomparable Mary Chifo. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Roscoe, Lennon, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage.
It's like impossible to banter. It's like it, any. All the we used up all the banter before the show started. So that's rehearsal. It's called rehearsal. Look, it's called look, rehearsal. Cat wanted. Cat wanted a witty repartee. I was all out. I said I had a little bit of mediocre banter left in stock, and we've used it up. Damn. I'm tapped. Jesus. I'm tapped. All right. Let's. <laughs> my worst. More importantly, you'll be supporting local artists who are continuing to work to make ends meet during a time. Make ends meet. M E A T. Make ends meet. This, there, you know, burnt ends. Kansas City burnt ends, my friends, is where it's at. So when you want to make ends meet, you make meat ends. I want you That's, to remind. I want you to be reminded of the fact that I speak two languages, and that sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the Spanish takes over. I just. And I, I, yeah. I don't remember the colloquialism and what the, what exactly you're, it means. You're, 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 you're right. Homonyms, you're right. You're, they're hard, man. Homonyms yeah, they, are hard. Homonyms, homonyms are, are tough. I, do, but I, I do wasn't like the... sure if the phrase is meat. Like, I got to buy meat because, you know, we were, we're struggling. <laughs> so, we're poor and we have to make ends meet. Like, meat. So, <laughs> so a, a, great, a great feature of Google Docs is that when Google thinks you're wrong, it puts a little blue line underneath it. It did it for right me. Click it's not blue it. for me. It's not blue it's for not me. It's not blue for you. No. Oh. You've taught Google that. You, oh, that's amazing. You've taught Google that you're bilingual and they're like, sure, why not? It's probably a Spanish thing. So Google just like didn't give it to you. That is amazing to me. I am amazed by this. I do okay. actually have. And apostrophe meat. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Sorry, Damn it, stop. Don't mess around with me. I She's like, man, there's an apostrophe. And I was like, oh, okay. Mental note no. for next time. <laughs> only in the Kansas City uh, Right, only variation. in the Kansas City. Right, right, right. There you go. <laughs> it's a Midwest delicacy. Meat apostrophe. <laughs> Grammar night. Hello. Uh, okay, we're completely off the rails at this point, right? <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission All right, accomplished. here we go. You Americans on your things. <laughs> or on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. There, we post those community questions. And it. Kabla. Kabla, everyone. Bye, y'all. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.